0: You're not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a
1: bit of a different angle. You know, I'm going to budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan.
2: You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
3: Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers.
1: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Point podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed, and as always, I'm joined by my colleagues, Steve Earle, CEO of Cheap Insurance. Hello. Adam Mitchell, a.k.a. The Pretty One, CEO of Mitch Insurance. How come you always get to be the host? Because that's what it says on the software. You're the participant and I'm the host. (laughs) And soon to join us, not yet present, is Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance, who no doubt will bust the door down like Kramer and join us
3: forthwith. Always on time, Captain Punctual. Boom. (laughs) He's not there. It was worth a try. He didn't get his cue. Oh, well.
2: Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Jared. to <laughs> <laughs> close one of those E-Docs. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> How's that? <laughs> okay. I'm nice.
1: good, that makes a cut. Okay. okay, today we're gonna talk uh, E-Docs and EDI, old tech. We generally talk about newer tech, but uh, we're gonna talk a little about old tech uh, because it is and has been a bit of an issue. Um, so we're gonna talk about, uh, about these two older pieces of technology and how they, Benefit or don't benefit brokers, and what uh, can be done to swing the needle more firmly into the benefit side of the chart. So, um, Steve is a member of the CSIO board, and I'm just going to get
3: him to start us off by explaining for those folks who don't know, which hopefully is very few, uh, what's an eDoc. Isn't it just the industry felt obliged to rename a PDF? The PDF wasn't cool <laughs> enough. We got to come up with our own name. Yeah,
0: an eDoc is is essentially. Uh, exactly what Adam said, a PDF de- gets <laughs> delivered um, to uh, the broker management system from the carrier.
1: Okay, so actually, uh, okay, so it's a, it's a digital piece of paper, right? So it's not, it's not data, it's we're replacing the carrier pigeon ICS version of the physical piece of paper with an electronic PDF that we call an e-doc.
0: That's right. So instead of getting it in the courier, you now get it in your BMS one way or another.
1: So, Adam, Jeff, which one? Which one do you want to talk about? What the benefits of eDocs are. Maybe both of you. Maybe you can take a stab at it, and one can follow, the other can
3: uh, can lead. Who wants to go first? Where Where do you start and stop on the benefits of electronic documents? Like, it's instant. It's cost-free. You can have umpteen infinite sizes for little to no cost of storage. You can fire them instantly across the country and the world. We can we can track all the changes via the red line. Like, they're searchable. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we stop on
1: like, I, this can't even be a debate. So wh- wh- what's the flying ointment here? What's what's not working correctly?
2: My broker lizard brain Cole's notes version is uh, they came up with a bunch of standards at CZO for sending the documents and nobody at the company either smart enough, takes the time to do anything or really cares about using the right segmentation for sending those documents. They call everything, for instance, a memo when you know it's not really a memo. It could be a renewal. It could be a change. Can be an endorsement. Uh, there's a number of codes that have been done. I believe there is an EDOC certification, and I don't know how anybody's ever passed it because what's being sent by the companies to us is kind of a hodgepodge of stuff. And uh, our staff is being then entrusted to you know close duplicate activities, uh, rename stuff. You know, so some of the, the the benefits of EDOCs are great and proven to the company, but the way they're being delivered, they're they're not following the proper standards, which has caused a ton of cash and time on onto. Broker- uh, making us have to look for alternative solutions like robotic process automation or virtual assistants or either staff doing it to make sure they're they're labeled properly. So let
1: me, let me read that. Let me read that back to you. So, you know, in the old paper days, you had documents that came in. Somebody, receptionist or mailroom person or whatever, would look at them and say, "Oh, this is a new business policy. This is a billing statement. This is a cancellation. This is whatever," and they would file them appropriately. So now you get electronic paper coming in, and it should be. Coded, you know, stamped, coded with those appropriate transactions so your BMS can slot it appropriately. But it's not. Right? A lot of them are you know, into memo, which is you know, basically other. Um, and there's something like memory serves 50 different transactions, and I believe about four of them are being used you know, quite regularly instead of all 50. So obviously they're going to the wrong slots, they're going into a general slot, and now again, somebody has to you know, open the mail, in this case, a PDF look at it take action on it etc that-, yeah,
2: that that's a great close notes and yeah. you know, we have some carriers that they're sending the renewals in three documents they give you the application they gave you the payment schedule they gave you the auto ID or the liability cards all separate they're using the same code for all three of those
1: transactions and if Steve Stephen Adam what other ways are brokers respond to this what, what other ways are there to manage the situation on your end throw bodies at it so that's,
2: that's that's all there is either you're gonna use a bot or you're gonna use a body what, what Steve what's your take like you you've got some estimates working at it what do you think it's costing the industry like you're you're you know we did some calculations and stuff what what's your layman's turn right? it's it's certainly over ten million and could
0: be
3: as much as twenty like you can kind of imagine it like an oil leak like there's no good thing about it and you could contain it and like manage the spill but you're you're having to burn assets and we're doing it on behalf of the sender because as the recipient with the back catcher's glove you're you're not changing what's coming down but we just got to continually clean up the mess we can pay and contract and automate robots to do it or we can just get back to actually sending it properly you know the benefit of fixing this is 10 to 20 million you know from
1: steve's perspective and that so another way of looking at it is that the industry broker channel has been spending 10 to 20 million for the last few years because it's broken because it's spilling oil in in Adams uh, with Adams analogy,
3: that's twenty. That's not being put to any part of the mutual benefit of the relationship. No, it's twenty million burden. So right. in the concept yeah. of like, I could be in marketing. I could be trying to grow. I could be trying to acquire. I could be shoring up other like intelligent investments.
2: The opportunity cost is huge, right? The money could be reinvested and get so much better return.
3: I just did some rough
2: rough
0: math. It's it's approximately two percent of my workforce just on Edocs right now.
1: What's what's an average cost of acquisition? Can I? For new for per lines, new business policy
2: depends. What are you what are you including in that cost? Are you costing the marketing costs? Like you're probably looking at one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty acquisition costs, not counting your overhead and staff. I'm going to I'm going to use two hundred. So that's
1: twenty million. That means a hundred that, that you could have got a hundred thousand new policies on the broker channel. But now nah. I'm going to go I'm going to go just, just for the hell of it with a thousand a thousand average premium. So that, that's that's a hundred million dollars of
3: premium that should have that could should have would have flowed to the broker channel. And, and here's the other flip side, Tom. So we read a, a bucket load of new business. 60% of that business comes from direct writers. Uh, like, that's not just even if somebody's going to make the argument, oh, it's just going
2: to be sloshing around or whatever. It's
3: like no, 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 You could be winning part of that back, like a healthy chunk of that back.
2: Well, let's, let's let's stop there. Though, let's say not only new business. What about retention? If you took the time and those people made protection reviews and provided better service to the client, they could actually do more shopping. You could retain stuff, and you know, one percent retention. You know, they say that can go to as much as five uh, to ten percent improvement on EBITDA by improving one percent retention. Right. So, what's the solution, guys?
1: I don't know. Actually, maybe Steve, I'll throw this to you for a second because I know there's uh, there's been some work from the CSIO perspective to fix up the standards. So there's kind of two issues here, right? There's the standards aren't exactly as robust as they could be. And the implementation of said standards in many cases hasn't been as good as it should be.
0: Well, we'll, we'll start with the, the, the standards piece. So if if you're driving on the highway and the speed limit sign just says speed limit, but no number um, or speed limit. Zero to 100. How do people interpret that? We've got a sign. Uh, so, when, when, when people are driving all different speeds, uh, we can't really get upset. So, um, historically, um, the, the mandate of CSIO has been the, the creator of standards, but not the governor of standards. So, in the last, um, I'll say, year and a half, with the with the new strategic plan at CSIO, uh, governance, quote unquote, has become part of the mandate. So there's actually a ton of work going on right now at at CSIO. Insofar as number one, the the, the first thing is you got to make sure that there can be no <clears throat> interpretation of standards that differs from one insurer to another. They have to be very very clear. So when uh, an infrastructure person is going to download create they want to send one of those PDFs to a broker, they can easily they have to compartmentalize it and say, what is this? And okay, it's this type of document. It meets this code. So that's the code I'm going to use. That's got to get all cleaned up first because it's a little bit ambiguous. So CSIO is going through a process. They have working committees and there has been the formation of a uh, what's going to be called the CSIO Uh, Governance Advisory Council, uh, which has a charter and a mandate that I have seen, but it hasn't been ratified by the board yet. So I can't talk too much about it, but I would say I like it from what I see so far. Um, So once you clean up the you actually put a number on that sign on the highway. Then you can. Well, not perhaps give people tickets or identify you were not going X speed. You were below or you're above. You have to have that clear identifier. So that's what's going on right now. And then you got to work with with the, um, the suppliers of those PDFs who are sending them to us to make sure that they're following following those unambiguous codes.
2: Yeah, I think that's good to get rid of the artistic merit from the Russian judge in the figure skating called e because it was just not working out right. Like, Steve,
1: what's your comfort level that once CSIO has got the standards up to snuff that the carriers will go back and rework the programming that they've got in place to actually make this happen?
0: Well, I can tell you that, I mean, all the carriers that are represented at the board are engaged. Um I don't know, are, are you asking me based on past experience of insurance companies come through on devoting resources to tech that's going to help us? I'm a little jaded, but I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that it, it might not actually be such a big chore over there and they will see the, the benefits to the broker side. I mean, change this PDF to this code instead of that
1: one, please. It, it could come down to that. Yeah, well, there's a lot of carriers with a lot of systems out there, so you know, some some will find it easy and some will find it hard, and some will find it somewhere in the middle. uh, Is my take on it, but I I guess I wasn't looking so much from the historical perspective because the answer there might be a little bit depressing, but I was looking more for the uh, because you've been in the room with you know the carriers who sit on the CSIO board and you know you've looked in their in their face to see what kind of reactions they're giving, and I I was looking more for that kind of feedback. Well, I mean, we have uh,
0: this uh, governance advisory council consists of um, carriers, but brokers are represented as well as vendors. So you've got um, all the stakeholders engaged in in, in getting this across the line. Uh, It's not going to be a tomorrow thing, but um, there's a hell of a lot of activity going on about it right now. And and, I mean, really, it's just come come to the surface in the last Six or
2: eight months. I was going to throw this question back at Tom. What do you think uh, the company management systems, like the guide wires of the role world, what kind of role do you think they should play in this, Tom? Let me get your perspective from a company side. Because shouldn't this some of this stuff be working out of the box? I mean, everybody's buying the same stuff over and over again. Well, this should be baked right into it. Why do Why do people even have to think about this, right?
1: I'll, I'll try to answer your question as best I can. So, if I'm a guide wire, okay, I'll pick on them. You know, I'm a global. Uh, you know, I have a global code base, which is you know, to a certain extent modified for each country, but I want to keep that modification to the, the least amount possible because I want to upgrade and change stuff. And it's hard if you've got 15 different or more iterations of it. So, EDOCS is, um, you know, it's a Canadian specific thing. So, I, if I was them, I wouldn't, I'd put sort of the, the framework in place for this, but I wouldn't necessarily hard code these codes, so to speak. Now, when I look at the systems integrators who are actually implementing Guidewire for the various carriers, um, you know, two of the key ones are Deloitte um, and um, EY. Those are the guys that I think should have this stuff baked into, you know, their implementation of these systems, they should have this stuff baked, they should offer it as a service, right? So just like, just like your, you know, broker codes and commissions and rating services and, you know, all these, uh, uh, you know, underwriting authorities and all these different kinds of things, edocs, um, is a part of the fabric of how brokers and carriers work together, and that should be absolutely hard-coded. So I, I wouldn't point the finger at Guidewire per se, um, although Guidewire needs to make sure that the, the framework exists. I would I would point the finger directly at EY, Deloitte, and whatever other third-party SI is out there actually implementing the stuff and say, say they should have it right? because from one customer to the next, it's exactly the same. And they can sell it as a service. They can license it and say, Hey, you want to get your own guy to do this? Great. But by the way, we sell this. It's part of our, it's either part of our package or an add-on service, whatever. Um, and it's the same, same from this company to that company. And I think that that's where you'd make a, a ton of traction.
2: Bingo because there's I I won't mention any companies, but there's companies that want to guidewire that everything's a wild wild west and interpreted things differently. I allegedly got some brokers to sit down and review this stuff. I'd like to see some of the brokers are on the panel because what came out could have been stopped. I tried to stop some of this stuff five years ago to get back to the coding, and uh you know i basically got brushed off. it wasn't a priority right so it's I'm glad to see that this is an industry issue. you know people are going to find the time for it, and uh it's on everybody's radar so who's the customer? For Deloitte or E and Y, insurance company. So what?
0: What do they give a shit about distribution? That's honestly like what? What is the experience of distribution as as part of their overall offering? And it, it's to me, I at least I haven't seen any kind of evidence that would suggest that. They're they're engaged. Otherwise, it would be this is this is the broker experience that we deliver on the other side of this. We'll customize it all for you and what you want to do. But uh, when when it when it when it's being pushed out to the experience on the other side of this, this is what it looks like. So it's consistent. If there's eight GuideWire companies,
3: it's it should look the same way at all eight. How, how do we go the other way? How do we reward the companies that that go and fix it? How do we applaud the ones that are getting it right? How do we?
0: Stand them up. They 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 will win, Adam. They're they're going to see it in when you're a more efficient insurer to deal with. You're going to get more market share out of brokers. It's going to be simple as that. When a transaction takes 15 minutes with one and two minutes with another, business will migrate to that two minutes. I mean, there
1: is you know a, a high i high watermark. So I, I tell you what. Let's let's. Um... Let's switch, let's switch over to EDI conversation because it's a similar conversation with a different technology. So, um, Adam, I'm going to get you to start. I mean, I'll get, you, I'll get you to talk about, you know, give us a quick overview of EDI, unlike EDOX. EDOX, if anybody doesn't know about EDI, I'm going to be shocked, but uh, you just give us a quick intro, EDI and so sort 30,000-foot of level, what's the problem?
3: EDI. Every, every day you get to download uh, every day, it's an AL3 file. You got to merge and go pick it up from a digital mailbox and stuff it back into your system that has mapping. Nobody has run it to the exact same standards following the exact same format. So it's a dog's breakfast as who has gone in and wrote the manuscript to transcribe and decode uh, company A sends it XYZ, company B sends it LMNOP, company C sends it a different format, all for the same field. Uh, they tend to seem to have hidden things in different uh, codes and ways to possibly protect some competitive angle or who knows what the excuse is, holds water. Uh, but inside that, we get all of our accounting transactions, all of our coverage uh, limits, all of our uh, renewal and endorsement changes onto uh, accounting lines in the Excel format. Uh, so the problem with I have with it is... It comes from an era of time. It should have now evolved into an API to be running real time information up and down to the companies, as opposed to we send a request. Next day, it gets processed and sent back down to our mailbox and connected. So if I happen to offer Tom, my client, a uh, self-serve or client interface that will show them the data that's in my system, the day after a change, it will be inaccurate until the next merge field comes down. We are now, we have, everybody uses people to run these daily downloads. Uh, A bigger brokerage can take multiple hours to run it. Uh, You often would prefer to run it when the system is being lightly used. And now some people, uh, us included, have have started using a robot to do it. So you've had to otherwise use CapEx expenditure to get a robot to do something that really could be modernized and eliminated.
1: So, uh, Jeff, do you want to add uh slash modify to what uh, adam has just said
2: really not much to add just the big thing is as adam points out i'll just kind of pontificate or go off in a little tighter tangent on it is with the data is not mapped properly uh what happens is when the fields get downloaded and if they're not coded correctly it overwrites data in the bms or ams systems so if i have a perfectly filled out app and i upload and i I use straight through processing to the, the API to upload it. My team has to put it into a portal. When it comes back, sometimes our data gets overwritten. And uh, this is what Steve had called data destruction. IBAC did a lot of work going after certain carriers or, or vendors, uh, BMS vendors that were worse than others. They were wiping out our data. And therefore, when you go to remarket somebody or make a change, the data is missing. So we had an added cost and looking it up, finding it. You know, People, God forbid they had any problems with that data not being accurate. So it's like a leaky boat. You know, website. One piece of data has gone one month. Another piece has gone next renewal. Before you know it, you've got 75, 80 percent of the data. And when you go to do something, when uh, you're running the rate for somebody again, doing a change, that data is missing, and you have to go looking for it, which can take time in your system to go back through history and records. So that's one thing. It's an AL three transaction. The system, uh, Tom, you might know better than me, but back to the '80s with. Uh, with CZO when they started doing the downloads with the AL3 uh, it it basically hasn't really drastically changed that much uh, in terms of getting the data and populating our BMSs with all the coverages the pricing and I'll add in that you can do automatic document invoicing ADI from the data like when our EDIs run we also run automatic document invoicing so that all our invoicing is done by the system we are using Quandry, our bot to do the EDI we do it at two o'clock in the morning when nobody's on the system it was taking a long time it has sped up great at least since since uh, CZOnet finally got their new system in place. It was very slow and cumbersome. The new CZOnet seems to be a little bit faster, but it was taking a long time to run that, like sometimes half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour to run it. It's sped up a lot since the uh, the upgrade with the system. But uh, just a couple things I wanted to add about the leaky boat, and the data and the ADI coming down on it. And again, there's certain things like commercial insurance that you can't send data. They're sending e-docs, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of data mappings on the commercial stuff uh, on the old traditional AL3 way, uh, hopefully, maybe with XML or JSON, uh, depending on where the future is going to go. I see that CZO is pretty big on JSON right now, whatever. We'll see what happens in the future with data coming in. And, uh, you know, the data, you know, those downloads on the renewal process start most brokers work. You know, that download comes in and that's a trigger point to start working on a renewal for some agencies, right? So it's, it's a pretty critical process. Jeff, I would, I would
0: prefer that um, we not start down the commercial lines road too much with either eDocs or EDI until uh, personal lines uh, is fixed up. Um, you mentioned data destruction before. That was a bit of a problem three or four years ago. Uh, and for the most part, I think that the vendors and insurers have identified that and cleaned it up. IBAC Tech did a lot of work there too, to identify that. So long story short, what was going on is, you know, you could you could put uh, a piece of information into your BMS, upload it if, if the insurer did not have appropriate coding um, and they didn't care about that data set, let's say it's just occupation, if they didn't care, but you had entered it when you got the download, the occupation disappeared. There was a a better, there was a way to code that so it wouldn't overwrite. So, I mean, there's a, there's an education format here too, and question about insurers interface departments and making sure that they, they know. I don't think that at least in my experience, whether it's with Edocs or or EDI that anything was done intentionally or nefariously. It's just a matter of, of not knowing um, or
1: interpreting the speed limit incorrectly when it wasn't clearly identified. Yeah. I, I think this is the same issue. We talk about, you know, real-time APIs and how the standards aren't aren't perfect and the implementation is not perfect. Edocs, the standards you know, are not anywhere near perfect, and the implementation is not near perfect. EDI is the same thing, right? And unfortunately, in the case of EDI, you know, there is a good chunk of the record that is supposed to be standard, and there's then a built-in portion of the record called the Z codes that was there for you know future purposes or customization or what have you. You know, and back in the 70s, when you know technology was not nearly as robust and as flexible as it is today, you had to have some way to be more flexible. Because it was mainframes, it was the '70s. It was you know COBOL. It was yeah. You had to you had to have a way for future purposes. But now we're stuck with this, right? Now, like I've seen brand new implementations of EDI on Guidewire, for example, full of Z codes, full of Z codes, full of Z codes. Where they've taken things that are absolutely clearly one hundred percent supposed to go to the first eighty percent of the record. That is standard. That is what the BMSs are programmed to use, <clears throat> and it's stuck into a Z code. Right, which means now there's extra work for everybody to to unparse that. So again, you know, so I have I have a hard time blaming the EDI standard on this because it was built back in the '70s and you had to be somewhat flexible. But the implementation of it, again, there's no reason to use a Z code when an actual standardized code actually exists. It's just laziness. It's less expensive to shove stuff in there. You don't actually have to do the work to figure out where it should go, um, and then the broker ends up bearing result of that because now either the BMS has to charge you more money to parse that or it ends up in the BMS's version of a memo field and now you have to throw an RPA or a person at it to go and figure out what the hell is in that code right so it's you know all these things are tied to the exact same root causes and um, DDI is just another example
3: it is amazing when you when you start tackling all these little tiny things that of themselves aren't Deal breakers, but you start piling them all up, and it's millions and millions of dollars getting wasted. It was interesting. I, I was listening to the IBO phone call on the way in of the principal call, and and apparently the government is now focused on two main things: is, is fraud um, and consumer choice. And it, it'd be interesting, you know, to know fraud is a form of waste, right? Because it's it's you know not actually modeled for; it's stealing, and this fits into a similar category of like millions of dollars getting wasted and stolen just by sloppiness.
1: Absolutely. Sloppiness, lack of investment, lack of priority, um, you know, all of the above. And um, I mean, you know, Steve talked about the, the you know, the tangible cost of e I would hazard a guess that every broker has somebody, I think Jeff alluded to. it. I know when I was at BrokerLink, we had, you know, a handful of people would come in at 6 a.m. and they'd spend, you know, up until noon. Fixing the download, and there was a you know a handful of people who did nothing other than fix up the screw-ups that was coming down the pipe. Um, so you multiply that by you know 2,000 other brokers, and there's probably you know millions, tens of millions more money that's being wasted specific to EDI. I think that the broker channel has to own a little piece
0: of this. Historically, we haven't been organized enough to identify these. Uh, we'll call them digital challenges, technological challenges in a meaningful way as a group to both CSIO and insurers. It's only been, uh, you know, when I joined IBAC Tech like five or six years ago, there were two people who met twice a year and you're not going to solve anything technologically with two meetings a year with two people for the broker channel. So I think that the voice has gotten stronger and bringing things about like identifying data destruction, uh, looking at the costs associated with eDocs um that's pushed down on us is is getting stronger and we're beginning to get heard.
1: Yeah, I, I think we need to do a similar thing for EDI that Steve did for EDOX, which is try to quantify what the uh you know the, the waste is, as as Adam called it.
3: And I, I, I suspect that would be a really big number. We need a champion of this too. Like I'm sitting here daydreaming over the stupid campaigns that, that IBAC had. Is it IBAC or IBC? Because IBC had running about needing auto reform and comparing Ontario Auto to PEI, which is just asinine lying to social media. Pretty sure that was IBC. It was IBC. If you actually want to stimulate change, of which you know they don't have the owners that want to change it, but it's like, I guess it does fall on IBAC. Like getting on a campaign is pretty loud and vocal on, hey, dear uh, government, industry, public, and everyone, you want to find waste? Here's, here's millions of dollars we would love to stop spending your premiums on. I personally would be embarrassed
1: talking about how our 1974 technology still doesn't work properly. To a government? To any and all who would read my social media post, because I'm not sure that would make my customers thrilled, uh, nor do I think it would make the government thrilled. (laughs) So while I think there needs to be a heck of a lot more sunlight uh, disinfecting this particular problem, I'm not sure all of the sunlight is the best move personally. Well, I mean, we've said on the show a bunch of times, I think that we
0: the broker channel has maintained its personalized market share despite itself thus far and if we want it back we have to be more efficient we have to have a better experience and it's going to take fixing stuff like this that's
1: 1980s 90s whatever that 1970s technology like the banks still run on a lot of this older tech too right and because you know that that mainframe stuff is so Strong and and so robust if it's done properly. And you know when you're when you're moving millions and millions and millions of policies, you know, from carriers to brokers every day, you you need something big and strong to do it. The problem is it's just it's leaky, and we need to fix those leaks. And there's you know millions of dollars of benefit and customer experience benefits and so on that come out of that. So yeah, I, I think I think brokers and associations need to get get active. Like you know, what's happened with eDocs and, you know, now we're seeing some good outcomes for eDocs.
0: Mission one is eDocs, right? And it's probably there's so much of it and it's probably the easiest thing to fix right now that has the greatest return. Um, I'm super, you know, uh, as a broker on the board and I think the IBAC Tech Committee, it it was important for us to try and get that term or similar governance um, introduced to that organization because that was the thing that was missing. Personally, and this isn't you know a view as a board member, I, I'd like to see the standards, whether it's EDI, EDoc, or APIs, uh, robust enough that if you don't follow them, it doesn't work. Like you will not be able to get your EDoc, your EDI through, or anything else if the standard if you're not meeting the standards. Any variance means it won't get there. The the package will not be delivered. That's the, that's a true end state of of standards, right?
1: That is the ultimate if it doesn't if it doesn't fit yes. then it doesn't go through, right? That's that's that is the ultimate. That's cuz right now the feedback is a very long torturous loop that has many people pointing fingers at each other, but if your feedback is, hey, my file didn't transmit, yeah, that's immediate. I'd have to do something about that right now.
2: That's right. I think we beat up the EDI eDocs pretty well for an, another year. It seems to be a yearly occurrence, <laughs> someday I hope we're not talking about it, right? But if you look at the English language, it has it's changed a little bit since the uh, days of Shakespeare, but some of the basics are still there, right? It keeps evolving. We got to keep evolving ourselves, right? And uh, clarity is key, Clarity's king. And it's good to see people are actually talking about what does this actually mean and getting clear and it's good to see enforcements, you know? You know, if there's any brokers
0: listening that ever have the opportunity to to be on an insurance company's advisory council or or have the opportunity to give them feedback, we should all be asking the question, um, number one, when are you going to be CSIO compliant? Because you're not. And number two is the big one. um, What is your date or do you what is your roadmap look like for sunsetting your portal? When is that going to happen? Do you even have a roadmap?
1: or a plan to eventually sunset that portal.
2: Isn't hope a plan?
1: <laughs> As always, big shout out to our sponsor, IFS Premium Finance. Thank you very much, guys. And to the Excalibur Read to Riot program, our charity partner. Thank you very much.
3: Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS.
2: Cheers.